Well, it's about time for you to go on a you know, on like another all whiskey diet again there. Cause uh, you, I'm on a diet. Yeah, I'm on a I'm on a uh, I'm on a reverse diet. I think if you eat a lot, it keeps your metabolism more ramped up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it's like a different type of metabolism a workout. Yeah. Ten meals it's, a day. Yeah, you just keep the metabolism going. You just eat every time you're hungry and just keep it going up till midnight. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Bourbon Pursuit, and let's go through just a little bit of news. You know, a few weeks ago when we announced that we are going to be doing more barrel picks through our Patreon support page, we got a lot of different emails, a lot of different inquiries, a lot of new signups, and we figured that uh, Ryan and I got to spend about 12 hours in the car over the past few weeks, and we had just the opportunity to be able to talk and figure out, well, what is the most fair thing that we could possibly do? And we have now gone through and updated our lottery process for all the barrel selections that we're doing going forward. So this is the best way we could do to be able to make it fair to our longtime supporters, as well as people who are new and are joining that are getting in early on the process because we've got more news to announce a little bit later uh, as we can get through some of more of the legal parts of it, right? But after that, we're going to have hopefully a lot more people signing up to to get in on it. So if you're thinking about it, now's a good time to jump in. And we've dropped a few hints already with inside of Patreon. So you can go there and go check it out. And we did this because we really just want to be, you know, really transparent about what we're doing and just bring clarity to the entire subject. Now, onto the barrel pick process in itself. Our barrel of bourbon pick is now live. And if you are thinking about it or want a bottle, please go to the sign-up sheet and get your names in ASAP. I'm going to do the cutoff tomorrow at the end of the day on the 29th. So make sure you go and do that because our bottles are already in DC, ready to start getting shipped, and we need to get those out the door because I know there's some anxious folks. In the first half of today's show, we talk about the news that really everyone is fully aware of by now, and that's the collapse of the Barton Warehouse. We put some chaos theories to the table and try to figure out if maybe what we think happens is, you know, really the cause. But we also kind of figure out if this is going to be a wake up call for the rest for the rest of the industry. Next, we switch to a personal and professional topic for a roundtable member, which is Brian Hara of Sippin' Corn, where he has actually won a case against Sazerac in court because Sazerac was suing Castle and Key over using the name Old Taylor Distillery in, re- in reference to location. It's quite an education experience that you're going to get during that segment. Then we wrap up the show talking about everybody's favorite new releases, and these are the ones that are hitting the TTB and some that are hitting stores already. So we give our insights into those. Remember that if you do like the show, support us on Patreon. We've got a lot of cool things. As I announced, we've got barrel picks, more things in regards of just bourbon barrel experiences that are being announced uh, that are be Patreon only are going to be there as well. We've got T-shirts, patches, bottle totes, uh, lots of different things. Also, make sure you're following us on social media with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure that if you are listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher or podcast or whatever it is, make sure you subscribe. Also, if you like the videos, go to YouTube, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. You know, getting those subscriptions really helps us grow and really helps us get what we need to continue growing this as well. 
And if you like these episodes, you can go ahead and go to our website, burnpursuit.com, sign up for our email list, and you're going to get those beams straight to your inbox every Thursday morning at 7 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. With that, enjoy this week's episode. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 a cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. And they're off for another Gift 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 000 Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome back to another episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast, the official podcast of bourbon. This is the 22nd recording of the Bourbon Community Roundtable. It's a crowd favorite and always a fan favorite because we've got bloggers we've got some podcasters just ryan and i usually but we have bloggers know, yeah <laughs> blogs they're i mean they're like c-list celebrities in the bourbon world right but you know they're getting there they're getting there no i'm just kidding but this is uh this is always great because we've got a lot of good information to kind of go through tonight in regards of latest news of what's been happening we're also starting to hit the front end of the announcements for bourbon releases that are starting to come out because of things that are starting to hit the TTB and people start getting really antsy about what's going to be coming out. And there's a lot of things to talk about. And I think more or less is going to be a lot of what we do best, which is speculation and guessing, right? Because that's all we can really do when it hits there. We can just talk about what we can expect to see, see from it. And, and then uh, odds of actually getting it are going to be slim only because of, uh, you know, how crazy bourbon's gotten and we can't get our hands on it anymore. So, 
Ryan, uh, how's it going, buddy? Hey, hey great, Kenny. How are you? <laughs> hey, okay. uh, hey, Kenny, got some good banter going already. All right. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, anything else you want to add to that before we kick it off? No, I think you covered it all. I mean, yeah, we got some interesting topics, I think. You sent out the, you know, the email listing some topics, so I think they're going to be good ones, and I'm excited to hear everyone's take, as always. What are you drinking tonight? I just poured the uh, President's Choice sample we got. You know, How much did you pour, like a droplet? Let me see that thing. How much did they send Uh, you? Well, 200 mil, I think, is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. I like it. Good job, Campbell. Picking it first. Real quick, is that a national release or is that just Kentucky? Just gift shop Kentucky only at the new distillery. Yeah, let's. We'll t- we can we can give a little bit of a, a heads up about that. Is that the um, <clears throat> Old Forcer has just opened their downtown location here in Louisville, Kentucky, and one of the things that they're trying to do that most people are trying to do with inside of the Bourbon Trail is trying to have something that gets you inside the door. So you have a distillery only release or a gift shop only release and the president's choice is their gift shop only release. And if I remember or recall correctly and Ryan can correct me is that they are chosen with Campbell Brown as well as Jackie Zykin. So they are choosing them together and they're trying to proof them down as well to find out what she says is when it sings its best song. Um, if, <laughs> yeah, it sounded like best Jackie best. picked out most of them that yeah. on the flavor profile that she thought Campbell liked, and then he picked them from there. So, but I'm I think I'm some pretty good. What was it going to be? Seventy five bucks a bottle? Uh, Seventy five ninety. Yeah. It's it's somewhere around there. But uh, again, it's just one of those things to, to try to get you in the door. But before we start talking about that, I want to go ahead and introduce everybody that's here on the round table, and we're going to start with Blake. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, so I'm uh, Blake from bourboner.com. You can find me at all social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, a little bit of YouTube reviews here and there, but B-O-U-R-B-O-N-R.com. And what are you drinking tonight? Um, I just poured this uh, Elijah Craig store pick from one of my locals, Browdies. Um, These are actually really good, and you know, they're like 25, 30 bucks. And um, I think this one was 11 years, 10 or 11 years. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see the Elijah Kirk Pride Barrels coming back. Me too. Now, wouldn't you rather see that be barrel proof, though? I mean, let's be real. <laughs> I think everyone would rather see it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be yeah. ideal. Which you kind of wonder why they don't allow that. I mean, I can't imagine. From a, you know, from a, it's going to cost the same cost, either way. Yeah, it's going to cost the same. They're they're already doing the private picks, um, allow you to do your proof. I guess they're thinking, you know, they don't want to reduce the, I don't know, reduce the brand of the ECBP. Um, I don't know. I, I'm kind of shocked they haven't said, all right, now we'll roll that out. But then maybe you know if they do it if they do the barrel proof on those and then some of them are 12 years and there's some confusion there on the Elijah Craig barrel proof still being 12 years. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll see that one day. If only we knew someone at heaven Hill, we could throw that suggestion to. <laughs> I know a few people. Kenny does. I no idea. I don't, I don't have a guess. So, <laughs> all right, let's go on. Brian, you're up next. 
So yeah, Brian from Sippin' Corn. You can find me on my Google blog, Sippin' Corn, and mostly on Twitter and a little bit on Facebook. And uh, you'll see the legal historical side of bourbon along with some reviews. And I've got a, uh, I've got my wilderness trail that I think a lot of you guys picked up over uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, haven't tried the rye yet, but this is their, uh, this is their four-year um, single barrel bourbon, which I'm really enjoying. Good deal. Kerry, round us out. Hey, this is Kerry from uh, Twitter, at bourbon underscore gamer. Um, that's usually where you'll find me. I'm actually selling a website. If anybody's interested, the website is suburbia.com. Uh, it's got a lot of Google links, a lot of great articles you can write off of to get some publicity. Um, I don't use that site anymore, so it is for sale. Just send me a PM. And, um, yeah, you'll find me online. Um, and I'm drinking Henry McKenna right now. And then I'm going to finish. Um, I got in honor of 1792, I got some Bowman, which has nothing to do with 1792, but it reminded me of them. <laughs> Somewhat in the same family of brands. So close enough. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that that's going to be a lead in for our first story tonight, because it's the one that I know. It, I know we got to talk about it because it is news and it's probably old news by now for pretty much everybody within the the, uh, the industry or anybody that even it is somewhat familiar with. There you go. What, what happened? We talked about. Yeah, yeah. There was an accident. <laughs> yeah. Wait. What? I think I think most Wait. of us here our our phones were buzzing. Uh, we had family sending us links as if we hadn't heard of it yet, right? But Warehouse Thirty at Barton had collapsed. Uh, so I guess first we'll we'll go around and see who got the most texts or links that were that were sent to them because Kara, you you actually posted something funny on Bourboner about a, a game, right? Yeah, I said you, you tonight you got to take a pour of bourbon for every time a friend or family member sent you a link to the article. <laughs> I, I mean, and I, I probably was in the the eight to nine range between you know mm-hmm. friends. Um, that I've made through bourbon channels and then non-friends, you know, non-bourbon friends, just regular casual friends or family members that are like, wow, did you see this? You know, and it's like yesterday they sent the link. I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. I, I had heard of that. But um, yeah, it's like with something, you know, bourbon related news like that comes out, it fascinates people, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, and they know that you're into bourbon and they can't wait to share it with you. And I, you know, I got to make it act like that's the first time I've seen it from everyone, but yeah, I mean, if t- a dozen or so people probably sent me a link. It, it's, it shows you how your friends and family view you because one piece of bourbon information yeah. hits the mainstream and they're like, oh, yeah. well, I know who I got to share this with. My, al- <laughs> my alcoholic cousin who's uh, writes and talks about bourbon way too much. All the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, And did you have to drink twice if they did the joke about there's going to be the warehouse collapse surviving uh, uh, Or link the picture of the bottle. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I actually had more people asking me, man, do you think you could get some of those barrels? I'm like, I, I, I doubt it. I, I doubt they'll, yeah. uh, you know, that those are either gone or they're just going to go back into another warehouse. I don't think they'll uh, let me drive my truck up there and just load a couple in the back and drive off really quick. Yeah, it's, it's not like they're damaged, like, couches that fell off of the back of a, yeah. a, a yeah. truck or something, right? Like these barrels, these barrels can, like, they can survive a lot. Like, most of them are going to be just fine. I would say yeah. probably the, the, the majority of them are, except the ones that are busted and that are leaking into the river, right? Somebody hey, said link, they're yeah, calling the, link, this yeah, type yeah. of law, lost the gopher share. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Me and Kenny were driving back, and the local news were like, uh, yeah, we've been having reports of a barrel or whiskey warehouse 
falling down. We've got reporters on their way. And I'm like, what are they going to do? Get there and be like, yes, it's falling down. Yeah. <laughs> we confirmed it. That's the drones. That's where the drones came in. I was going to say, have you never watched your local news? That's what they do every single night. Wow, so, There's been a crash. Okay, well, we're standing out here on the side of the highway. And it's true. There is a crash. <laughs> it does look massive. You kind of forget how big those warehouses are until you're like, oh, my gosh, that is a ton of barrels sitting on the ground. That's only half of it. Yeah, it was and, funny. I was how, how many, off, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. How many warehouses does Barton have? Like seven or eight? No, they have like probably over ten, probably fifteen. Oh, they really? Were, okay. They've got That's forty-five what, acres what, worth I, of of land over there, right? So they've yeah. got they've got lots of room. Um, and that's what I think people don't realize. There's so much talk on social media about, oh, no, like, I can't believe, like, what's going to happen? Bourbon shortage. And no, everybody's, everybody that's in, in here knows that's a drop in the bucket. Like, well, in regard- most of it's brandy because the bottom at Barton, the only the first five floors are bourbon. The rest are brandy up, up on top. Other you know, way around. What's the, the brandy? Brand? Brandy's at the top, yeah. Or brandy's uh, it, at the top, yeah. Sorry. What's it does the brandy make you, um, you know, you, you do bourbon tours and you walk around these rick houses that they're like, oh, you know, this is 200 years old or 150 years old. You look at them, you're like, God, if any one of these things collapses, I'm dead. Like yeah. anybody in that warehouse, if, thankfully nobody was in there, but if anyone was in there, I mean, those are yeah. thousands of tons of weight that will just destroy you. So it does make you think a little bit about the really old brick well, houses and through them. And, you know, now it might be running through the end of it, you know, as we go in there, like, oh, I'll be in the middle of this collapse. Well, I've heard, I play, it's funny, I play golf with an engineer that you can trace to back, but he does work on warehouses in Tory. But uh, I was like, what the hell happened? He's like, oh, we know what happened. But uh, it sounds like that some some other contractors were used and uh i don't know that's just speculation but um yeah they didn't listen to the um, original engineers yeah didn't uh bourbon truth write a post back in 2015 talking about some beetles that were causing issues and it sounded like barton was ignoring it and um, yeah yeah, that's exactly what was you're kind of leading me up to is there was that article and anybody that is a fan of the show, they can go back and find that previous podcast that with Bourbon Truth. We didn't really talk about it, but yeah, it, there was an article back in 2015. A lot of people linked to it on social media and it just talked about these beetles essentially that eat through wood and they leave these traces. It also talked about how they were doing tours in some of these warehouses. They had some people that were sort of I I don't want I'm going to say the wrong word it's like entomologists or whatever basically like bug that's an, that's right entomologists very good yeah so basically bug doctors that were saying that you know like it's pretty much unsafe to be doing tours through here to be doing anything like that but the it comes with a huge cost to be able to actually get rid of these beetles because you actually have to empty out the entire rickhouse you have to you know basically fog it out or do whatever you can to get rid of the infestation. And then you have to replace all the beams and everything that these beetles have eaten through. And then you got to roll everything back in the wreck house, right? So they're, they're talking like, I think like there was up to like a quarter million dollars, like per wreck house is, is what it was looking at. Maybe, maybe more than that. Um, and so a and lot now, of people just kind of turned a blind eye to it. And now they're going to have to build a structure to support the existing warehouse to get all the right. existing barrels out and then repair the warehouse. So, yeah. so let's see which one costs more. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do with all those barrels now? I mean, leave them out like tornado warehouse surviving, like let them just 
What are you putting well, on? And, and now they're getting fines because about like a thousand fish have popped dead, turned up dead in the river. <laughs> so. I read that from uh, Janet Patton today. Yeah, the, the, a lot of my friends on Facebook, because I am from Bardstown, I have a lot of friends from... But anyways, they're posting pictures of it like, screw Barton, they're killing our fish. That's where my child, child you know, I grew up fishing and all this stuff. So. Look, Because so, so it's, it's leaking out. into the water? Those yeah. Fish, those fish went out as happy as they could have possibly gone out, okay? <laughs> they're not on the end of some hook can be, yeah. in a fish fryer. They went out happy as can be, so I don't feel bad. Yeah, uh, and like, like to go back to your question that you had asked earlier, uh, it is Diageo that actually has a contract with Barton there where they store whiskey. Uh, um, somebody put it on here, Fleischmann's uh, Brandy is, is the actual um, one. Yeah, so, yeah, I was actually just there doing a barrel pick last week and and got to talk to Josh. And, um, you know, thankfully I wasn't there that day because there would probably have been a little bit of chaos. But um, You could have been first one reporting on the scene. I, I could have. <laughs> it's Kenny from Bourbon Pursuit. Brandy. We're live here. <laughs> <laughs> just like hustling out to the field real quick. Be like, you yeah. gotta check this out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you yeah, like Gary so McCord or Flaherty. I'm live here with a, you know, <laughs> like about a tornado or something. So what did they say about the brandy? I kind of cut you off. Oh, nothing. It's just a, it, they're just contracted through Diageo to keep aging okay. brandy there. Um, and then, like I said, Ryan, I think had a backwards. So like the first or the top floor, Four top floor fours at the Rick houses are actually 1792. Uh, the bottom ones are are brandy. I don't really know where uh, old very old Barton's actually within that mix either. Um, I didn't really ask those questions, but now we have something to talk about next time. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, at least we're glad that everybody was safe. Nobody got hurt. But I think for it's sure. for sure for good. Sure. We can we could have been much worse. Yeah, I, I think it's just gonna be a wake up call to the rest of the industry that I think it's maybe they should go ahead and just you know pay somebody to go out there and tap a few beams and make sure yeah. that it's not gonna fall over, right? So yeah. the musics can are gonna make even more money or the blinkos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So right. speaking of Sazerac. Yeah, there you go. Nice transition. I know, right? It's like man, everything's just flowing tonight, guys. Like, oh, that's I'm gonna pour from. Moment, that's all good deal so let's let's go ahead and and talk about this little next piece because it involves one of the uh, closest members of this this round table so on june 14 2018 one of the panelists here on this round table actually countersued sazerac and won a quick summary of the decision kind of goes as follows will arvin and wes murray are the guys that are behind castle and keys venture and even though marion barnes is really the one we see on instagram all the time but during the period they were renovating, it was commonly referred to as the Old Taylor Distillery or that spot formerly known as the Old Taylor Distillery because they were still coming up with a brand name or trying to figure out some way of how you recognize it. Uh, Sazerac was not happy with this and eventually sued them for, I think, and he's going to probably correct me here, whether it was definition, def, defamation of the name of Old Taylor saying that it caused some brand confusion. So I'm going to let... Uh, Brian sort of take it over from here and kind of give us a little bit of a recap of really kind of how this all sort of transpired and maybe some more of the, the nitty gritty details. And we'll ask some, some tough questions along the way here. Sure. Um, the, uh, the old Taylor distillery was stopped distilling in 1972 and they still in beams stored barrels there until the nineties when they abandoned it and, and moved everything away. And it, anyone who had been out there and it's, and I know a lot of folks in Kentucky have been out there. It's kind of the, was the thing to do. 
um, it's, it was apocalyptic. I mean, it was, there was asbestos everywhere. There's roofs for caving in floors were caving in. Um, a few people had tried to start businesses there and, and nothing ever started. Um, one firm went in there and bought it just to harvest the, the wood from the rick houses and some of the brick. And that caused one of the warehouses to collapse. Um, so it was just a mess and no one wanted to touch it, but Will Arvin and Wes Murray came in and they sunk a ton of money into it and got the asbestos abatement folks out and they repaired the roofs and the floors and they started Castle and Key. Um, but Sazerac didn't like that uh, they were referring to it as the historical Taylor Distillery. They didn't like that the sign was still above the front door that said the old Taylor Distilling Company. They didn't like that the limestone had been carved on the side of the castle saying the old Taylor distillery 1887. They didn't like that one of the warehouses had 20 foot high letters that said old Taylor. And uh, so they got sued for trademark infringement uh, because Sazerac bought the, from Beam, bought the old Taylor name in um, 2009. And then of course have started the, uh, that's bottom shelf, but they started the E.H. Taylor brand back up and uh, they said it was trademark infringement and uh, last year the district court disagreed and dismissed the case and a couple weeks ago a week and a half ago the uh, Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals agreed um, and and said that it wasn't trademark infringement and said that uh, that Peristyle Castle and Key had been fairly using the name E.H. Taylor and Old Taylor as a description as a as a geographic descriptor of what the place is and that's not trademark use that's fine to do a lot of people can imagine that uh, the big guys with deep pockets can make it hurt for the new guys and uh fortunately we were able to to turn the tables and now we can now we're comfortable in being able to say that this is the the old taylor distillery this is the history that happened there this is what e.h taylor did there and it's not trademark infringement. I, I guess kind of, I, I mean, you don't have to, and also I need to pre-warn everybody, like if we ask a question and Brian is not legally or liable able to say it, then he doesn't have to answer this, right? So <laughs> let's just make sure that we're ahead of this. And we're not yes, just like, oh, Brian, quit being a dick and just tell us, right? You know, like, <laughs> it's a little bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't Judge Judy. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I guess it was there like some sort of thought process that as soon as they bought this, that like, they expected people to go and start carving off the, um, as you had said, the, the, those big signs that say the old Taylor distilling company, like right off the side in the limestone. Like what was, what was their expectation? Like, I don't know how you could even say that. Well, I, I don't think you can. And, and they didn't want the signs up and that, that really creased them. And, uh, it's, you, you, you can't change history. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of people know that E.H. Taylor has history at the place that's now Buffalo Trace. Um, it, it used to be the OFC, the old fire copper. That's that's essentially all gone, except for the bourbon Pompeii thing that they've been uncovering lately. But he's he's got some history there. No doubt. They've got history there. But where Taylor really made his mark on the bourbon world was at the old Taylor distillery. When he was at the OFC, he, he went bankrupt. He had to flee the country to avoid creditors. He was selling the same barrels twice to, to different buyers. 
and he was in trouble and he got had to get bailed out by George T. Stagg. Um, they were in business for about 10 years and they parted ways. And that's when old when uh, when old Taylor was was built as a castle. It, it existed as a distillery before that. But E.H. Taylor got together with his sons and built a new distillery there, the, the, the castle. And that's where he sponsored the Bottle and Bond Act. That's where he made the brand that's known today as the old Taylor brand. Um, that's where he really made history. That's where he invented bourbon tourism by the way he built that distillery and, and the, the castle and the pergolas and the and he was was bringing um, uh, tourists in by train. He had a he had a railroad station there called Taylorton Station, and he brought people in and it was a destination spot. And he was the guy that started then. urban tourism. He's responsible for that. Now we're comfortable in talking about that history. So talk about what the the Lanham Act is, because there was a link that was from the uh, the open circuit uh, court judge that you had actually sent us. So kind of give us some background about what that is and sort of how that played a role into all this as well. Sure. Uh, trademark law started uh, with with bourbon. I mean, it went hand in hand with bourbon. And as a shameless plug, in November of this year, you can find a book called Bourbon Justice that talks about the development of trademark law. But uh, um, that, that was what we call common law. That's just where law sort of develops on its own through the courts. And the Lanham Act is a federal statute that, that really took over from the common law. And it defines what trademarks are and what trademark infringement is and what fair use of a, of a name is that doesn't get you into trouble for, for trademark infringement. And so what Sazerac alleged here was that that Castle and Key violated the Lanham Act, which is essentially trademark infringement. So whenever you hear Lanham Act, think trademarks. And if there's ever a complaint about the Lanham Act, someone is alleging that a trademark has been improperly used, which is what we call infringement. Okay. So I guess there was a, there's a few th- good things that actually got brought up uh, within the chat, which is probably good to run by you. Uh, one, Joshua Smith actually said, you know, you don't see Heaven Hill going after Diageo, even though they have a hundred foot tall smoke stack with the name Old Fitzgerald on it, right? Because they own that's, that. Particular. That's exactly right. And that's something that I brought up to the district court judge. I used that very example that he that he mentioned, that Heaven Hill isn't doing that. And when you go when you go to Stitzeweller, they have a sign about this is this was Pappy's office. And you get to say that because that's a historical fact. You get to leave up the road that's the road that Stitzeweller is, is on is Old Fitzgerald Road, and you've got the Old Fitzgerald smokestack. You don't need to take any of those things down because those are historical locations and and geographic places and and true accurate facts. And so there's some more that's going on between uh, Kevin and Josh, and they're sort of talking and talking about the um, Diageo actually owning Bullet and kind of having that tour and calling it the, you know, the Bullet experience at Stitza Weller, right? And having that sort of name, even though Weller in the name is actually owned by um, Sazerac, right? Right. And so he's saying, Josh was saying that apparently there was also some of uh, some scuffs that happened with the Blade and Bow release. So was there something that happened within Diageo and Stitza Weller at that point? Or, or sorry, Diageo and Sazerac because of the Stitza Weller name? 
Well, and it and it went beyond that too. I, I forget which Orphan Barrel release it was, but there was one that was distilled at which what at the time was called the George T. George T. Stag Distillery. And I, I remember it was a forged oak. Yeah, that, that might have been that. That was that would have been old enough to be that. And uh, and I remember reading, not really hearing anything confirming it, but reading that Sazerac was bent out of shape about that. But again, it's a geographic fact. You, you you can say where something was distilled, and you can use the Stitzelweller name because that's a place. And and Luxco did this too for a while with uh, with their Rebel Yell brand. They uh, I remember when they first came out with Rebel Reserve, the back of the label said distilled under the old Weller tradition. Now they're even using the name. That's a it's a historical fact. You get to say that you can't call your brand Old Weller, but you can talk about what the what the historical background is. And so, before we actually started the recording and press publish, you had also mentioned something that um, Sazerac sort of does that you were actually able to bring up, and the fact that if you look at the old Taylor bottle today that sits on the shelf, they actually have an image of the old of the actual old Taylor Distillery still in the bottle, right? So, right. kind of talk about that and how that played into the the case as well. Yeah. So, if you guys want to lean over low to the bottom shelf and and look at a bottle of old Taylor. Um, you look in What's the, the background, you're right, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's you, not even being more attacking. Pick a pick a man while he's down. Jeez. <laughs> you'll see an image of the castle. Um, you know, if you, if you've been to Castle and Key um, or seen any pictures, you kind of know what the what the outline of of the castle is. And if you look at the background of an old Taylor bottle, you can see the peristyle Castle and Key castle. It's an image that's on there. So one of the counterclaims in the case was that if if anyone's causing confusion, it's Sazerac who's causing confusion by their what's called trade dress by the by what they have on their label. They're showing an image of a distillery that doesn't distill Old Taylor, and if anything is going to cause confusion, it's that uh, Castle and Key's not causing any confusion because it's only using the name in a historically accurate geographic sense. So before we keep going down this rabbit hole too far, was there something that, that you looked at with all these strong, with all these arguments that was sort of like nail in the coffin, like, that's it. Like we've got this, like, was there, is there one of those defining moments for you? Well, it, it was really early on. Um, the, uh, I had a post um, right when the complaint was, was filed that I put up and, and, and I had I identified right away that this is this is history. And what I said in that early post was you can't erase history. And that's all Castle and Key has has ever done is use the old Taylor name and E.H. Taylor in a historic geographic sense. And that's it's fair to do that. It has to be fair to do that because you can't change what history is. I mean, it, it gets to the being the verge of Orwellian when you start rewriting history. It's like if somebody were to sell an apple at a store, then Apple can come in and say, we have the name Apple, right? It, yeah, because you're, you're selling an apple. Right. I got Great you. analogy. Way to chime in. I love now, it. Question on, on this. Do you think it was something, you know, with like the George T. Stagg and, and Sazerac didn't seem to go after Diageo on that? Um, do you think it was something where Sazerac thought, hey, you know what? These are smaller guys we can just kind of win this one pretty easy and be done with it and keep going? Or 
Or does this kind of set up for future lawsuits when the smaller guy realizes, oh no, we, we don't have to just kind of roll over and take the signs down. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. Um, do you think it was something where Sazerac thought, hey, you know what? These are smaller guys. We can just kind of win this one pretty easy and be done with it and keep going? Or, or does this kind of set up for future lawsuits when the smaller guy realizes, oh, no, we, we don't have to just kind of roll over and take the signs down? Well, I, I tell you, I have I, I can't guess what Sazerac's thinking. Yeah, I, I can look at the other threats and lawsuits that Sazerac has filed, uh, though. And one of those, um, you know, I, I showed the bottle that I that I'm drinking tonight, Wilderness Trail. Some people might remember that its first name was Wilderness Trace. And Sazerac objected to that, that they were using the name Trace which to me is a is a either a generic name or a, at least an accurate name of what they call trails you know the the old animal trails but wilderness trace decided not to fight and to change their name to wilderness trail and there's other cases that Sazerac uh, filed i mean they sued brown foreman for uh, their tennessee fire because they thought it was too close to uh to their cinnamon whiskey. Uh, they sued a Canadian whiskey that was called um, Bison Ridge, you know, because they dared use a, a name that, or I guess an image that looked like a buffalo or another word that people don't know the difference between a bison and a buffalo. And so they sued them. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of lawsuits out there by Sazerac. Um, and uh, a lot get, uh, and, and they win a lot. 
Um, the only ones I'm aware where Sazerac loses uh, were were when they had Ridgemont or Ridgewood Reserve, um, and Brown Foreman beat them on that because of Woodford Reserve. And then when they left the Kentucky Distillers Association and they still tried to use the the words Kentucky Bourbon Trail, um, they, they weren't allowed to do that. So they're Why they're pretty they active in along? litigation. Just get along. I mean, it's just bourbon. Come on. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, this, I mean, this should the, the Castle and Key should have been embraced by Sazerac. Yeah. Um, you know, there's shared history there. I think they both benefit by using that shared history. Um, just like, a, you know, there's there's a lot of cooperation among the distillers. And this would have been a perfect uh, time for more cooperation. Uh, Eric Rogue has uh, or Rogie. I can't say his last name properly, but he has uh, one more question before we start moving on here. And it says, do you think Sazerac has the most lawyers in bourbon? Ooh, tough call. Um, my guess is probably Diageo. Yeah. Can I make one point real quick, just so people, you know, I think most of the time when people think Sazerac, they think Buffalo Trace, right? Because Buffalo Trace right. is the most. I think Fireball. Well, right, besides you, because you drink that all the time. But most people think Buffalo Trace probably and think Mark Brown and, and those guys. Those guys have nothing to do with it. There's a corporation of people who I don't even know if they're they probably went down in New Orleans or something. But, you know, I just I, I know that BT are some good folks. And I don't when this kind of stuff goes down with Sazerac, you know, I hope people don't get the reputation that it's Buffalo Trace doing this stuff when it's some other greedy people um and some other place so i don't know that's just kind of the way i feel about that is um i think sometimes probably the employees themselves are kind of sitting there and they know that's making news that sazerac is suing for a name they don't even use anymore and it's like you know it gives them a bad rap but at the end of the day there are some really rich people trying to get even more rich and and using their power hunger to try to do stuff that's not even necessary yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I, I doubt it's Freddie or anybody else like that. It's over at, at Buffalo Trace that's actually working there day in, day out. You know, Susanna know. and Bo. Harlan's pretty cutthroat. He told me I was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> he told you that on like episode like two, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, what do you do for a living? And I was like, uh, he's like, that will kill you. And I was like, thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, um we're going to we'll wrap it up with any, if anybody else has any more law questions they want to kind of talk about this case or anything else you want to throw by Brian because this was this was great and hopefully he doesn't need to go and make any quick last minute annotations to his book he has to release to, to slide this one in. I hope not. So, I've got the proof right now. So, so uh, I got a question, Brian. Yeah. So like when Castle and Key bought that and they obviously did like or whatever bought the then you know they probably did a very extensive trademark search why wouldn't that have been brought up then i guess when when they were originally buying this property or whatever well it's it's two separate issues um you know you've got trademarks on the one side and you've got geographic facts on the other so castle and key has never used those names old taylor eh taylor as as a trademark um it's not going to be on any of their whiskey bottles they're not using they're not going to call any of their uh bourbon anything to do with Taylor. So it's really just defining the geographic location. It's, it's using it as a descriptor. Gotcha. So it's, you, you never do a trademark search because you're not using it as a trademark. Gotcha. 
The last you question think- that's coming from uh, Druther007. So did Sazerac have to pay Castle and Kearney or Castle and Key attorney fees? Or was there a settlement that you can talk about? Uh, no, um, the, it's really, really hard to get attorney's fees in the United States. Um, the, the basic rule here is that each side pays their own way. Um, and in a case like that, in a case like this, it's that that's really disappointing. Um, because you've got, clearly you've got a one side with a lot more money than the other. Um, and both have to pay their own way. So really the only thing that came out of it was just the same, the, basically the way that says like, okay, we were right all along. That's it. Right. Yeah. And so we've, yeah, we get to say we were right from the beginning and we get to tell people the history and we get to leave the sign up and yeah. And it no, costs us a lot of money and the money's <laughs> out the door. Yeah. Good for them. And, and you said they're not using any names or not you know, use anything that's, that's uh, really, you know, on that trademark side. So you, there's really no reason for them to work cautiously. Who's this well, guy? I mean, who's this guy? Hold on. I, 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 I don't want to interrupt Brian. He was really on a roll there. Yeah, Nick, get yourself yeah, in real quick. Like, this is Nick from Breaking Bourbon, <laughs> by the way. Hello, everybody. Sorry, I was running a little late. Had a, a five-year-old uh, birthday party, dinner, and movie that ran a little longer than anticipated. But uh, Incredibles 2 was, was actually pretty good so here's a good one i won't give anything away but it's not <laughs> bad spoilers. not bad so anyway go back to the question yeah so i, I think i heard it nick so yeah as as long as it's not used as a, a on a on a label you know, as a brand it's not being used in a in a trademark way um so you know there's there's reason to be cautious i guess you know it's it's you know it's a reason to not use it on a label. That might be uh, uh, as the as one of the Sixth Circuit judges said during oral argument. He thought that might be infringe, infringement, but that's not what the plan has ever been. That's not what any of the testimony ever was. And in fact, it was just the opposite. Um, it's they don't plan on using the old Taylor name or the Taylor name or the E H Taylor name uh, as the brand. So was a way for you to be like, instead of just paying me, I'll take like eight barrels of bourbon. Like, was that, <laughs> did that ever cross your mind? Yeah, 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 I'd, I'd like some. Can you? I, yeah. <laughs> I've heard some really good things about what, uh, what Marianne is distilling, but, uh, and I know some people have done barrel picks there. I haven't, I haven't even done one, so I can't say I've even tasted any of the distillate, but I, I've heard good things about it. So I've done a quote unquote pick there before. Right. So but the, the pick isn't necessarily a pick. You essentially get to go and fill your own barrel. Mm. And so you get the hose and you bring it over, you turn it on, fill your barrel, bung it out and write your name on it and roll it on over to uh, and write a uh, massive <laughs> warehouse. And then you sit there and now you uh, hurry up and wait. And you wait for what, four years or how long? As long as you want. As long as you want. Yeah. Well, here's no, let, let me show you something some to, to close to close this out, Kenny. Let me show you what I what I got here. It's a 17 oh, yeah. year old um, prohibition era distilled in 1916, bottled in 1933. That's ridiculous. Wow. Um, That's this, awesome. So this is the this is the real old Taylor. And uh, once my clock runs out, that their time to uh, try to appeal to the United States Supreme Court is done. They get 90 days to do that. Once that passes, uh, this will be opened and 
any of the bourbon. And we're all invited. We're all going to be in Kentucky. I'll be at Lake Forest. <laughs> if, if we can plan on uh, 90 days from June 14th, whoever's here, uh, we'll open that. I'm in. Let's see. Actually, see isn't that bourbon, be- bourbon and Beyond weekend? Perfect timing. Is it really perfect timing? <laughs> I think it is. Hey, is that would, you know, June to September would be. I, I mean, you just bring it to St. Matthews so we don't have to go all the way to Middletown. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. And then you might be able to, you could you could probably just buy a few of those bottles and you can write them off as essentially research costs, right? Sure, research, <laughs> yeah. right? That's right. <laughs> all right. So let's go ahead and we'll move it on because uh, we talked about that a lot. And now I think we're going to get into the next piece of it. We're really talking about the releases that are coming out because this is, Woo-hoo. as we said, we're starting to hit the, the front end of it. Things are hitting the, the TTB. Things are starting to hit the shelves a little bit early. And so the first thing we're going to talk about is Kentucky Owl Batch 2. You know, we had talked about it close to the end of uh, 2017 and talked about, you know, Kentucky Owl Batch 1 really knocked it out of the park, right? Uh, Kentucky Owl Rye Batch 1 really knocked it out of the park because it was a really good whiskey. Um, you know, it was a little bit higher price point than we all kind of really wanted in that $130, $140 range. And... All of a sudden, and not only that, is there was there was tons of it, right? I mean, at that yeah. point, like anybody could have as much Kentucky Owl Rye as they possibly could afford. Um, you know, some states had more than others, but it wasn't too hard to find it. It didn't have any value really over its retail and secondary, just because of the sheer amount of it. And like I said, it was a solid whiskey. Uh, now, batch batch two is getting ready to come out, and it's actually hit a few states already, and there's been some rumors that the suggested retail price has actually increased to about, I think it's like 189.99 or 190. And that's almost a 50% increase, 50% increase than what we had seen last year. Uh, however, I have seen some posts that people said that they were able to buy it for 160. So I want to kind of gauge your all's thoughts on why, why go ahead and raise it? You know, do you think it's going to be a little more scarce? Do they think that, Oh hell, people are idiots. They're going to buy it anyway. Like, what? What's your thoughts? Yes, your second I think point. That, <laughs> I think that when you when you're able to sell as much as they were able to sell, there were none that sat on shelves. It flew off shelves. So you know they're going to sure that they may have less, but why not? I mean, it, it's one of those things we hate it as consumers. But if you're the person responsible for it and you sell out dry in your first release. If people are going to pay the price, then, you know, unfortunately, if the, the demand is is uh, always going to exceed the supply in that case. And if it does, yeah, I mean, they're going to raise it. I mean, it's, it's up to us to try it and say, this is not worth 189 and we're not going to buy it anymore. And um, But, I mean, from his standpoint, yeah, with such a, you know, with it being such a huge success, I mean, I don't say I can blame him for it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they're looking for kind of a, you know, market equilibrium to say at what point does it sit on the shelves? You know, at what point is it, well, I won't name any high-end releases that sit on shelves anymore, but <laughs> won't throw anyone under the bus, but it was gone. I mean, <laughs> okay. and there was, yeah, there, there was a lot of that, a lot of that whiskey, but it was also really good too. So, um if I, I never really heard a bottle count, did did anyone else hear a bottle count on that one? I'm just guessing, but it's based on how many came to Georgia. Yeah, there's you know, so if they had that many bottles. What was, what was the guess? I didn't hear it. Twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. Yeah. 
I would probably push that even higher based on, I mean, I, I, I had a retailer here who he gets a lot of good stuff, but I think he ended up getting something like 30 cases or something of it, six pack mm-hmm. cases. Um, so I, I don't know. Yeah, I just, the 40K range then. yeah, yeah. That, that would be closer to my guess, but w- when you sell through it and they're just going to continue, like we said, this isn't charity. This isn't, uh, you know, goodwill stuff. This is a, it's a business. And if they can get more money for a product, yeah, we don't like it as consumers, but that's what's going to happen. And more and more people are flooding into bourbon, buying these high-end bourbons because automatically when somebody walks into a, sh- a store and they see $200 bottle on the shelf, they assume it's better. Um, and that's just a fact. If it's better than, you know, Pikesville that sits there for, um, you know, 50, 60 bucks, whatever it is, that's kind of our own choice and preference. But um, for now, I think the price is just going to continue to go up. Yeah. We keep buying, they're going to keep raising. Yeah. So it's just, <laughs> it's just going to take uh, us consumers not buying it, which is not going to happen because everyone's like, oh, there's something new out. Got to get it. Got to get it. You know, got to try yeah. it. <laughs> for, for every one of us that says, all right, I'm not buying any more stupid releases anymore, there's, 45 new guys coming into whiskey or people coming into whiskey who have never heard of any of this controversy. They've probably never even watched a bourbon pursuit episode, which is crazy, (laughs) but they, you know, they walk into a store and this, the owner's like, Oh man, you got to try this. It's $200. You're going to love it. It's the best ride I've ever had. It just won some spirit award. Double gold. Yeah. Right. I mean, that, that sort of goes back to the old thing of, of price being in perception, right? Uh, that if you're paying more for it, it has to be better, right? Uh, you know, you got to give it to them that I still think that the 11-year age statement is still on the bottle. However, it has been uh, – the proof has now gone down. I actually have a batch two in front of me – or sorry, batch one in front of me. It's 110.6, and I believe batch two is at like 101 proof. Um, so either it was watered down to, you know, make it, you know – um, basically batch, get out there. Batch, batch two had, wasn't barrel proof either. It wasn't? Okay. No, no, no. no. It, was it started at like 130 proof. Come on, I can't it was. Or, <laughs> I don't have a memory like you all do, okay? <laughs> like 130 proof or something. So it's kind of interesting that they would drop the proof some because I'm assuming, but, you know, they, I, I assume they kind of played around with it a little bit. You know, it's, it reminds me of Old Fitzgerald and this fancy bottle that came out and Everybody went and sapped up these bottles at 130 plus retail. And then you finally opened it and you tried it and you're like, God, that's not that good, yeah. but it didn't matter. Although I disagree on the, the first, I haven't tried the second release of the rye yet, but the first rye, I would probably yeah, fantastic. buy, you know, even two or three more bottles if I could at 150 bucks, I think it was. No, I know. Um, I meant the old. Fits, but the old fits oh yeah no that's that's a whole different story but <laughs> what, what's interesting about kentucky owl though was it was pretty reasonably available for a while yeah yeah i mean you had at least in i think it was in 25 states uh this batch two is going to be in 35 around 35 i was just doing a quick count so there's going to be a little less of it it's going to be in more states you know and it was available people were talking about it you know some people said no it's not available at all well, unfortunately it just in some places it just didn't exist but I know here I could think of at least five or six stores that had it for a month or two. 
and I'm in New York, mm-hmm. right? And it was pretty much priced to MSRP and had it and liked it. So then it became, uh, okay, is it worth the 115, 120 that they're charged around here for it? You know, so that's what it came down to. But at the end of the day too, it's not necessarily us who's buying, you know, kind of trickles back up because it's it passes through that channel from the distillers or the producer's standpoint, it's sold, it's gone, right? So they've said goodbye to it. Now the retailers are maybe holding it. We know what some of those are that retailers are, you know, kind of holding on to. And for the time being, you know, I think that we're not really seeing that where retailers are too gun shy about that. I mean, I think the retailers want something that's special because they're having people come in all the time asking for Pappy and Antique Collection and all those other things. And they want to be able to say, yes, I've got, because any given retailer may only have a few bottles of it, you know, or they're big enough volume that they're going to be able to move 20 bottles of it if that's what they get. Right. So it's just, the market is where it is and it's not at all surprising to see it coming out at this price, especially in more markets and with less production and with a good name and they're riding in on that, you know, they got to take advantage of it. Strike when the iron's hot. But isn't this kind of what we want from a release that it's somewhat available. The quality is really good. Yeah. You got to pay a little bit more, but I think all of us, if they said, all right, Thomas Handy is going to be available, you know, as long as you kind of get there, somewhat in the general release date but you're going to pay a little bit more for it and um that's it you know i think all of us say yeah i'll pay 130 dollars for thomas handy or a stag or something like that um so i mean i don't I, i'm not upset about 200 dollars is kind of pushing that you know my my threshold is not quite 200 but Probably will be just the way prices are going. You, has, you, has your threshold creeped, Blake? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, yeah. everybody's creeping. You know, they I five buy, years ago, yeah. five years ago it was fifty bucks, right? Yeah. Well, well, that's you know, you think even a few years back, we we're telling stores they're gouging for charging one hundred nine dollars for a stag, and now that just seems stupid. But, um, yeah, the, which is why but, that's why that those two releases, I think, still to this day are so highly sought after is because Buffalo Trace still keeps the retail price. And now, granted, you got to find a store willing to sell at retail price. But when you do, you're paying what you should be paying for the whiskey inside. You know, I mean, if Eagle Rare 17, if you can get that for under 100 bucks these days, I mean, it's, it's an awesome deal. Saz 18. And, and even if you can get a Pappy 15 at, what, 109 was retail this year? And you open and actually drink it? I mean, it there's value inherent in that. So you look at these other releases, these other people that try to keep up and, you know, like I look back at Whistlepig and, and the old fits and all these releases, the, the PHC 11, the Parker's heritage last year, the 11 year, I mean, it was good, but 130 bucks for essentially Elijah Craig barrel proof. Um, I don't know. To me, it's like younger. Yeah. A year younger. And it's just, we, you know, we, we pay for it because we think it's going to be, you know, the hottest thing, fear of missing out, always drives the bourbon world is the fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. 100%. But how odd is that, too, that we expect something good like that to be gone immediately? You know, yeah. I mean, think about scotch, think about the other, you know, you go in and there's $200 bottles, there's $2,000 bottles. I mean, they're there all the time. Sometimes the same bottles. Other, I mean, I told, I know people that are buying that regularly and that's what they drink, you know, but in bourbon, it's like, oh, there's a $200 bottle it's sitting there. It might've been there a month or whatever, but we expect it to be gone immediately because there's just nothing up in that tier. You know, this idea that stuff's going to hit the retailers 
and be gone immediately, you know, I feel that's definitely not sustainable. You know, and it makes sense that price is going to move to the point where they're able to hold some kind of inventory and it's able to move in a reasonable way that what they're used to. You know, they don't buy product and have it all go out the same day. They expect to hold product for a while and they expect for some high end like that to not get sold, you know, probably the day that it comes out, unlike bourbon, which is just an anomaly to me. Bourbon is not even about shelf anymore. It's not about the shelf items unless it's a store pick. I mean, you can go through store after store exactly. after store, so many products on a shelf and it's the same thing, right? So you are, if you're hunting, you're looking for something that is not on the shelf of every store around. Exactly. And that's what it is now. It's it's the release that you, that's not sitting on every shelf. No matter what the price is, there are people who will buy it just because they don't see it anywhere else. Yeah, and if it's on the shelf, I'm only going to pay like 20 or 30 bucks, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, it's so stupid, but yeah. Well, that's and I it. drink Henry McKenna all day long. I mean, no, Henry McKenna sucks, but <laughs> what? we don't, you know, the, you know, the deal, Brian, we don't talk about Henry McKenna. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that. yeah, we don't talk positively about. There you go. We got to keep downplaying it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, you, you know, there is so much there that is good and available for a lower price. People just don't want it. They want to have they want to have what they can't get. Yeah. And social media is just like exacerbated the problem, you know, or yeah. it's because you see people taking pictures, taking a drink or selling. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I got to have this. So, what, you know, is it do they not want it, though? I mean, it, people are buying that stuff, too. It's just that it's getting replenished more quickly. Right. I mean, the majority of what I have and what I drink is under fifty dollars on a regular basis. I mean, I have those other high tier bottles, but I'm not drinking those every day, hmm. you know? So I, I think, I think sometimes I know I had that, I guess, newbie fever at one point where they could point me in the direction, of anything that was expensive. And that's, you know, that's what you bought or that's what you wanted because you felt like it was rare and it was going to be gone. But I feel like that is fleeting. That does, that does go away, you know, outside of the people that are maybe flipping and taking advantage of that on the long term. I think at some point people kind of they get it the same way that we do. And you start to look a little more seriously at that. You know, I think that initial run is, is short. It's just, we're seeing a lot of people come into it quickly. So there, there's a constant new flow of people that, you know, they just point them to something that looks fancy and has some good reviews and it's expensive and they're going to buy it. All right. So before we run out of too much time, I want to, I want to kind of continue this because let's, let's be, let's face it. Let's be real. All of us are going to go out. We're going to buy a Kentucky Outbatch too because we need to fund these roller coasters that are being built at the Stoli Park. It's, it's going to happen. And let's face it. It's pretty, yeah, Kenny, I need you to buy some so I can buy one from you. I don't feel like shopping. All right. So let's let's kind of move on to the, one of the last topics I want to talk about. And you know, it's this is this is a whiskey that you know we had talked about the eleven year, but it's a whiskey that you know it it garners a lot of attention in the whiskey world when you see Parker's Heritage Collection when it either goes up for sale or whether it's a release every single year. However, the past few years have seemed a little bit. Um, I don't know. Lackluster. Very lackluster, right? <laughs> and this year is probably Sorry. not going to be much different. And so this year is the Parker's. I think this is what PhD 12. And this is the orange Curacao finish. Curacao. Curacao. It's not my, it's not my flavor, it's, right? Did you say Curacao? Curacao, Curacao. <laughs> 
Listen, it's we're from Kentucky. Kentucky, just, just let it fly. <laughs> Which right. is funny that Ryan was the one calling you out. You know, you said it wrong. <laughs> it's like uh, the bar sounds say that I'm saying it wrong, right? It's, it's like your style. Versailles and Versailles. And he just started over, so you can edit that first one out. We're gonna let that one ride. Just say it right a couple times. You could. It's like curacao shit. You know? <laughs> like, let me say this about the curacao. Do y'all remember the Parker's Malt? And the Parker, Parker's Malt was Parker 9, I think. Parker's 9. Yep, or 10. Um, maybe it was yeah. 10, yeah. And everybody, um, you know, was not looking forward to it. And what happened? People actually didn't overpay for it. I think you can still get them on secondary markets right around retail price. I think in this case, nobody's really looking forward to orange curacao cured stuff. I mean, they're sitting on so much rye. Can you not just put out a barrel? That, that just seems like a home run, uh, either a, an aged rye or a barrel proof rye. That just I don't out a damn rye. I mean, nobody wants, uh, you know, um, XCF is the same thing, right? So people have been saying Parker's Heritage XCF because they didn't they finish their mm-hmm. Willet and Orange Curacao barrels mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Grand Marion. I thought I was going to say it wrong, probably, but Grand something. Grand Marion. Who cares about that? Really? Like, do, do we need to reinvent the wheel? Just put out the good bourbon that you have sitting across gigantic warehouses over there and stop putting the crap in Orange Curacao barrels because I'm not buying the shit. Which didn't I bet you did. Didn't Heaven Hill basically say that the Willet XCF was their release anyway or something? <laughs> really? I, I mean it could have been. Um yeah. I it was like it was also a ride that was, was finished in those rally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. And Look, that Parker's was it was around 130 there. bucks too, so that was running the same price as Parker's Office. But it was really good. I mean, I'll try this. I liked it too. I, I, I didn't want to get it. I'm not. A, I wasn't a big fan of the Willet XCF, right? I mean, I, and I, I, that was also at the time when we were, everybody was at least uh, you know some people that I knew were like really getting ramped up in bourbon. And I mean, we had we had access to XCF like any day of the week if we wanted to, right? You just go to the distillery and just go pick up six bottles if you wanted. And the only thing that was really the selling point, because it had these stupid dangling, like Godfather, like hands on it. Right. And like, people <laughs> ate it up. Right. And people really eat it up. But for me, uh, it, yeah, that taste just wasn't there for me. I was just like, this is, this is not the whiskey that I enjoy. Um, and I was wrong. There's people, there's people that do and good for them. But for me, that's just not my, uh, it's just not my bag. So I just wish, yeah. Like Carrie said, just put out, the Heaven Hill juice from eight to like fifteen years is so good. Why not just do a really good bear? No, 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 no. That, no, no, no. That's bad. No, it's not. <laughs> crazy. That's bad. That's really bad, Gary. That's that's why you never come in any barrel picks with us because you think that's actually a good whiskey. It's delicious. <laughs> it's absolutely delicious. It is polarizing. Mm-hmm. There are people who either love it or they hate it. There are a lot more people that love it than you would think. And I think uh, it's fantastic whiskey. Well, anyways, just like you said, do an <laughs> anyway. eight to twelve year or something like. Gosh, just do something so simple but so good. A barrel proof, you know, the best Elijah Craig barrel proofs out there, or Henry yeah, McKenna ones. Of them. They got so much of it. Just do that. Keep it simple. Keep I it mean, simple, stupid, you, right? If you look at a lot of the early releases of Parker's, you know, the twenty-seven year, you've got uh, blend of mash bills. You've got some of these that um, they're just epic. 
Well, I hate to use the word epic, but people, they're great. People dug them. Um, and I, but I think the, the problem is, is that, well, A, you know, you kind of had to think about doing that years ago if you're going to release it. Uh, but B, I don't know if their strategy is that they don't want to do the same thing twice. Right. And so that could possibly be it. Too. Well, then bring but a ride. Done a ride. Do the ride. Yeah. Bring a ride. Well, I hope right, they listen right, to this podcast right. and then they'll be like, well, damn it, why didn't we think of that first? Right. I'm, I'm sure they're like, idiots, we have this planned out 10 years in advance. You know, the, the rise coming in 2023, but we've got 14 different finishes before that. So. <laughs> I mean, they've, well, done, I a, they've done the week for crying out loud. Get, you know, give us a ride. I mean, I was a big fan of the week, but give us a ride. I'm with you guys. I told Bernie Lub- Lubbers, Lubbers. <laughs> Don't call them Bernie Lubbers. It's Bernie, Bernie, <laughs> Bernie Lubbers. Orange. I told him y'all need, to, y'all need to do a ride. He said, I don't have any control. I'm like, bullshit, man. You, you're a big dog over there. Listen to the people. I wonder why they're not, though. I mean, what, what? I mean, is it just timing? Do they think they're going to get more out of it by delaying? What's the their read on the market? You know, they thinking. know they could drop one and people would be all over it. Yeah, but they know people are going to be all over it no matter what. Yeah. Once the lineup, I mean, they could say, hey, it's PHC White Dog. It's going to sell out, guaranteed. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, still not going to sit on a shelf. I mean, it is a cool bottle, right? Like, it's a it's a pretty sweet-looking bottle. It's cool to have in your collection. Oh, it's my favorite one. But I love the Parker's bottles. <laughs> I will say they're re- relatively easy to get where I am. I, I, I always have a crack at it around MSRP. It's unlike a lot of other stuff that's coming out now that disappears immediately. But for whatever reason, people just aren't after it. So that, that, is, that is, that is refreshing that it's not too, too crazy, yeah. uh, at least in some places. Although we get four roses releases here like a year after they release. So go figure. They're, always yeah. They're very easy late. to stack too. Unlike old Forster birthday bourbon. Health <laughs> <laughs> space with this stupid fat bottom bottle. <laughs> So there's there's a few good comments that are coming here. Uh, Joshua Smith said maybe we'll get a Parker's Heritage that'll come in like an orange juice carton. Um, <laughs> Capri Sun. Uh, let's see. Chris Haynes said uh, we need that 16 year rye finished in crystal Pepsi casks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the clear Pepsi. Yeah, Pepsi free. So, yeah. yeah, it's all yeah, it's it's all going to be uh, sugar free for sure. So uh, last one that I want to hit on because I know we're, we're creeping up in that hour, but this is uh, this is one we have to talk about because it's it's bookers like everybody loves bookers because it's cash strength. It's unfiltered. It's uncut. Uh, but the 30th bookers 30th announcement that originally came out about that that originally came out saying it was going to be a 16 year. Uh, but Blake actually sent an email out uh, this past week. He got some clarification from Fred. And so I'm going to let him kind of give us a recap of really what's happening with this release. Yeah, so I should pull this up just so I don't screw anything up. Um, but basically what they said was, hey, we're tasting it and it's not that great. Um, <laughs> we decided that we're going to add in some nine-year and now it's going to be comprised of about 70% nine-year bourbon, 30% 16-year. Just got a little too over-oaked, um, which is interesting. You know, I, I could see if they said, hey, we're going to blend in some. Um, but 70%, that's that's a pretty wide margin to be off by. Um but, you know, I don't know. It's it's a little bizarre to me. And so what I'm thinking happened was 
and, and I've kind of talked to a few people and they're basically saying like, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure how that's got through the first round of testing because it, it was just way too woody um, and not that great. So it is kind of cool that, that they would pull back and say, Hey, look, you know, we're going to blend some in here as great as 16 year old would have sell, but um, he, you kind of get, of course, everyone's going to come out and say, Oh, they're just, they're uh, going after more money. I don't know if they're going after more money, but I guarantee you every retailer, every distributor in the country, once they announce it said, I'll take 4,000 cases. As many as you can send. Yeah. yeah. And then they realize, oh man, now we've got a product that is not that great. And we don't think it's that great. We've got 40 times the demand of, bottles we have with just the 16 year old you know they're in a really tight spot at that point so i think this was kind of a way to try to save face of hey let's blend in some of the nine year and not really blend in some of the nine year let's blend in some of the 16 to a nine-year-old product get something we like have much more of it to sell um so i don't know it's it's a little disappointing that we don't get to see what a booker's uh, 16-year-old tastes like, um, but it sounds like it didn't taste good, so I don't know if we should be disappointed <laughs> in that. It, it just, it, you don't see that a lot from a giant like Beam. You know, Beam's billion-dollar uh, market cap. Um, they're one of the biggest. Um, to see them kind of backpedal like that just seemed a little funny, so I don't know if maybe somebody jumped the gun on the release or what, but... Um, you know, you're going to have people who automatically come down on, oh, the accountants got involved. And as an accountant, I take offense to that because, you know, <laughs> Being we, we don't screw everything up. But no. Um, so I, I think it was a mix. I, I'm still I think I said this in the post. It's still the release I'm most excited for this year, no matter what. Um, geez, the, the last three, four bookers limited editions have been some of my favorite whiskey release. So we'll, we'll see what it tastes like. I mean, that is true. They have a pretty good pedigree of putting out pretty good releases for bookers. And I think they probably want to continue that streak, right? I I don't think they want to become the next Parkers at this point. (laughs) Maybe blue Curacao for that 16 years. (laughs) And and that's, that's kind of the thing. And and I think I'm, I don't know if I put this on Twitter, but if you think about it, if they just would have come out and said this Booker's 30th is going to be a blend of nine year old barrels and 16 year old barrels, everyone would have still been really excited. It's the fact that, they put it out and then pulled back on it a little bit. You know, you think about it like when the Al Youngs came out and it's like, there's a 23 year old. Well, there was what, maybe two barrels of a 23 year old in there and just probably, yeah. yeah, two gallons left of it. Um, but everyone was talking about, man, there's 23 year old OBS was it OBSK or I forget what it was, but anyways, it's in there. So they kind of would have had that same deal if it would have come out initially that, yeah, it's going to be a blend of, you know, 70% 9-year-old 16-year uh, or 30% 16-year. But the fact that kind of came out, backtracked, that that just gives the public perception a little different, a uh, little different spin. I Robert, hate to, go ahead. I hate, I hate I to, to say, Robert Daly had a pretty funny comment. It said, nothing says, let's celebrate our 30th year like releasing a 9-year-old bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, sorry, Ryan, go ahead. Everyone wondered why the uh, Knob Creek lost its nine-year-old 
age statement. They had to save up. <laughs> yeah, but hey, what about Russell Reserve 2002, man? Let's talk about oh, that in a minute. Man. Hold on, hold on. Let's. We're still on this. Well, we'll I can go to sleep at some point. You, this beauty <laughs> doesn't happen without sleeping. Okay, All right. you got to, you got to, you got to wait a minute. Ryan, go ahead. What you were going to say? Well, uh, this comment goes back to the Parkers. I had a buddy text me. Carrie's palate is that of a cat. Old sandpaper tongue. Parker Parker's twenty four is so crap. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought I had to say that. That was perfect timing, actually. That so that worked nice. out great. Yeah. <laughs> Cut the man off, then you <laughs> bring him down. It wasn't Booker's 25th about 10 years. No, it was 13, wasn't it? Was it 13? Oh, I can't remember. Let me go pull a bottle. Hold on. But uh, I mean, it's pull it is fun to actually extra. see. Um, you know, you know, some of these some of these Booker's releases. I mean, you guys said it like they've they've been they've been home runs, every single one of them, and all of them fetch a, a pretty good penny on the secondary market. Uh, you know, and even them coming out with Booker's Ride last year, they they price it pretty heavily at three hundred dollars, and uh, and you know people ate it up. You know, there's probably some hesitation in some people, but it, you know, at at some point the the secondary market's going to let you know exactly what you have here because the the word's going to get out. So I, I hope that by being able to add in these nine year old batches, that they are able to um, you know extend the product a little bit more, but as well as make it pretty good. So. So yeah, Booker's twenty like fifth one, nine to eleven. Nine, nine to 11. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that makes this yeah. release even more exciting because, yeah, honestly, that's probably top five, top five bourbons right there with Booker's twenty fifth. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, if it comes down to taste, spot. I like nine here. If if it tastes as good as that did, that be fantastic. Brilliant. All right. So yeah. we're gonna give we're gonna get one more minute on each one of these. Uh, because I know there's there's four releases that are coming out, so we're gonna only talk about one minute. Carrie, you started it. Talk about Russell's Reserve 2002. Go. I want to buy five of them, and I want it right now, and I can't wait. <laughs> it's already coming gone from Louisville. I missed the boat, and I'm not gonna get one. So you know, uh, I do have a secret insider information about it. Tell there, us. Tell there us. There is more. So the bottle was the TTB label said 2,500 bottles or something like that. There is actually more. Than that TTB label, just to let you know. Mm. How many more? Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm not, not going to tell you guys. It's a secret that I was instilled, but there is more than the TTB label. I'll tell you that. Well, they're gone from Louisville, so Kenny and I are out. Bye Yep. Now that's a drive down to Atlanta because apparently they're just plentiful. They just sit on the shelves, right? Well, I have seven right now, so I'm trying to <laughs> buy the eight and nine. Yeah. Are they, aren't they like five hundred bucks? I don't I'll know. Tra- if- I'll trade you a uh, uh, round table Buffalo Trace for it, Kerry. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I sold those. those are worth one forty, right? I sold all mine. I don't. I don't need any more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You and you and Dixon are driving Lambos now after selling all that bourbon, right? <laughs> all right. So uh, next one we'll hit on um, Wild Turkey Revival. Anybody had it yet? Nope. Well, I'm supposed to get a sample. I haven't gotten it yet. All right. Well. We'll hit that one again. I know you can find on the shelves. It's like 130 bucks. Uh, it's like sherry cast finish or something like that. Yeah, Oloroso. Oloroso. That's right. Uh, next one uh, that's starting to hit shelves pretty much everywhere. I think people are really starting to eat it up. Is just Knob, Knob Creek Cast Strength Rye. Uh, it, it seems to be pretty plentiful. Mm-hmm. People are digging it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I like I, hard to go wrong with a Cast Strength Rye. Yeah, I did a Knob Creek rye pick, and we had uh, like 
five, six barrels to choose from. And I mean, they were all really, really good. I mean, they're doing something right there on their rye. I mean, so when you do those, those rye picks at Knob Creek, aren't they only like, like six years old or something yeah, like that? They're, they're not that yeah. old. Some were five, some were six. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty young, but uh, yeah. And they were all about one high one twenties on proof. Mm-hmm. Um, but all really, I mean, tough to choose from all really good. All right. You get a lot of variation with those, Brian, or were they? <laughs> there wasn't a ton. Not on, not on the ones we had. I mean, there were, I mean, we're enough to be able to decide, but all good. I mean, I, I would have taken any of them, really. All right. And so last one we're going to hit on is there, if you haven't been paying attention and you don't know anything about reading TTB uh, releases or anything like that, Heaven Hill is also releasing a 27-year whiskey relatively soon only to be available in five states and i think msrp is like three or four hundred dollars i want um, five yeah we, we all we always want to right so uh no idea if you're gonna see it um i don't remember what states it is but it, it's only like in five states something like that as well as the the msrp is is up there but it's a 27 year uh if that rings anything like parker's heritage 27 year that means you're gonna be in for a treat i'd like that treat that's a a fantastic older bourbon i mean i think trying to think of older bourbons i've had i feel like that's you know north of 20 that's probably the best one i can think of right now is the parkers the parkers yeah Yeah. that's really good yeah okay so with that let's go ahead and we'll wrap it up because we are definitely over the hour mark so i will go ahead and let you all go around the table and tell you or just kind of announce where you blog and where people can find about more about you. So, Brian, we'll go ahead and let you go first. All right. I'm Brian with uh, Sipping Corn and uh, find me on mostly Twitter, a little bit on uh, the Google blog and a little bit on Facebook. And come September, look out for the Bourbon Community Roundtable of the tasting of the old Taylor 17 year. And in uh, November, look out for my book, Bourbon Justice. Thanks, guys. How can we keep Sazerac from appealing? <laughs> got to yeah. hire him. Beat him bourbon. Exactly. Hire me. I'll, I'll give you some advice. <laughs> How do we find the addresses of their attorneys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Nick, you chimed in. You're next. All right, so I'm Nick, uh, one of the three guys behind Breaking Bourbon. Uh, find us online at breakingbourbon.com. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Breaking Bourbon. And uh, check us out uh, uh, on Patreon, patreon.com slash Breaking Bourbon. And you join the party too. We're doing all, we're all doing barrel pick clubs, right? Yeah, that's, you know, it, it's the party's fun. So why not, uh, <laughs> why not join in? Just uh, newly launched. So check it out. We've got a little, little bit different kind of program that, than you guys are running, but I think they're all fantastic. I don't think you can have too many, uh, too many single barrel picks. It's just a fun thing to do. And I think sometimes that's where you discover a lot of the best stuff. That's also not $160 a bottle necessarily. (laughs) So absolutely. Exactly. And we, everybody loves a a good review from breaking bourbon. You guys are totally in depth. So I think a lot of people trust your palate. So, uh, definitely go and check those guys out. Carrie, you're next. So, uh, Hey, this is Carrie. Um, my blog is writing is difficult when you're only one guy.com. <laughs> and um, you can find me. Uh, actually, you won't be able to find me because uh, selling my website, I'm going to make money and I'm going to buy a Parker's Heritage and maybe a couple of them. Uh, but you can always find me um, trolling 
peoplebourbonart.com over on Facebook, Bourbon Art Group. And, uh, of course, on Twitter, at bourbon underscore gamer. And uh, feel free to send me an invite for Fortnite if you want. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't so have somebody, time to write blog posts, but you have time to play Fortnite? That's, uh, <laughs> I think I saw that his, his kids are away at camp for the summer, so he's, he's got a lot of free time. I do. That's a lot of fun. I'm actually surprised you're wearing clothes tonight, so I appreciate you putting on a shirt for us. I don't have shorts on or pants, but I got shorts on. <laughs> Let's wait till we end the podcast. Blake, go ahead and wrap it up. Yeah, so I'm Blake from Bourboner. Um, all the social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, B-O-U-R-B-O-N-R.com. You know how I know Blake has twins? I saw him chugging coffee and bourbon within like <laughs> 20 seconds of each other. <laughs> you got to prepare yourself. I've muted, I've muted screaming in the background. We actually hit what I call the quad in the family, which is all four kids screaming at once. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've been there. You saw me go to and from a room. That's, that's probably why. <laughs> You're going to sell some of those bottles and get a different floor. <laughs> oh yeah no no it's no we can't have nice things at this point the floor is just we've given up on furniture nah we'll get we'll get new ones in like 10 years there you go good deal so fellas i want to say thank you again for for joining tonight we had a lot of good discussion i think we actually have more points we could say for next time because you know one of the things that we didn't even talk about that is coming out relatively soon are 1792 bottle and bond single barrels uh, so expect those to start hitting markets relatively soon as well so that's going to be very very fun don't you dare yawn carrie i actually picked one okay it's going to be delicious oh, i'm sure i'm sure that extra what eight proof is going to be huge <laughs> <laughs> what a dick right what a dick okay it's not 27 years old but it'll <laughs> it'll it'll be all right but again thank you all so much for joining ryan go ahead and wrap it up for us guys thank you all for joining us i know uh it's takes a lot of time to come in here and chat about bourbon for an hour and a half so uh appreciate you all taking the time as always to everyone listening in we we're not here without you so i appreciate you all listening in and uh keep giving us ideas show suggestions feedback we love uh, bringing content to you guys so uh keep it up mm-hmm.